Please turn in your Bibles to this morning's scripture, Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. And if you'd like to follow along in a pew Bible this morning, you can find that on page 527. Please stand for the reading of God's word. Proverbs chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. To give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And now turn to Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. Uh, the Pew Bible page is 533. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Let's pray together. Lord, as we bow before you today, <clears throat> you are you are glorious. Thank you for calling us to worship you, for giving us the high privilege as your children of gathering and showing our adoration. And Lord, we've already seen this table set before us, a table that you, you prepared you purchased at the highest of cost. And now, Lord, as we move toward that, will you use your word in our hearts? Will you cause your precious Holy Spirit to move among us? You have us here today for a reason, and your reasons are essential to us, whether we even know it or recognize it or not. And so, we pray that you would do your work and open our hearts and minds, our wills to you. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. And God's people said, Amen. Everyone, everyone in this room should fear God.
Whether you've ever been in a church before today or not, whether you consider yourself uh, a believer, a Christian, a follower of Christ, or not, you should fear God. And everyone in this room has a real reason to fear him. Now, what you need to understand is this. There is more than one kind of fear of God. There's a fear I'm going to describe in point one of this message, and we're going to talk about And it will, in all likelihood, describe some of you in this room. And then there is a fear that I'm going to describe in points two and three of this message. But everyone in this room should have one of those fears or the other. The, The choice is yours but the ramifications of what kind of fear you have of God are also yours to live with. So let's take a look, uh, first of all, and I want you to, to see this, that uh, the fear of the Lord for one outside of Christ, I, I want us to look, and, and I know we're in Proverbs we're in the second in a series in Proverbs, but I want us to see the, the other kind of fear first in uh, Matthew 10, verse 28. And by the way, when I say the fear of the Lord for one outside of Christ, if, if you find yourself in that position today, if you have, have come here and you are are seeking to just check this thing out, this, this thing called Christianity, or you don't even know what it's, what it's like in a church, or you've, you've had church background in the past and you walked away from it for one reason or another, I, I want to tell you, I'm, I'm really glad you're here. And I'm not talking down to you. When I use this phrase, the fear of the Lord for one outside of Christ. And here's what you need to know. I'm I'm not only not talking down to you, but I have an absolute compassion for you. Because if this fear that I'm going to describe is where you are, It's an awful place to be. So we see what Jesus says in Matthew 10, 28. He says, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, which is basically saying you don't need to fear men. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. For the unbeliever, the fear of God 
should be the fear of death, the fear of judgment, the fear of eternal punishment. Over in Luke 12, verse 5, parallel. I warn uh, you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he is uh, killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. And Jesus is saying, look, if you're outside of, of Christ, you, you need to tremble. Have that kind of a fear. Then over in Hebrews, the writer uh, warns to one who sins deliberately. He says this, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. That's the one kind of fear. Uh, John Gill, who was uh, an English pastor long, long ago, and you can tell by by his language, but in, in talking uh, about this verse, he, he actually preached in the same church as uh, Charles Spurgeon, but it was over 100 years before Spurgeon preached there. But here's what he said about uh, this verse. He said, it's a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of men injured and affronted and that have power and will show no mercy it is very tremendous, and this is tremendous not in a good way. It is very tremendous to fall into the hands of God in the way of his judgments in this world. The apprehensions of a future judgment are terrible beforehand. But to stand before the judge charged with sin, naked and without righteousness, speechless and no one to speak in favor of them, to hear the dreadful sentence pronounced and feel the wrath of God to the uttermost. How horrible must this be? It's awful. He says the, the apprehension of that is, is, is tremendous, but then to actually stand there. And no, you've got nothing except offense. And you've chosen that before God. And you've got no defense and no one who's going to stand up to defend you. How horrible, he says, it must be. That's a terror. That's that kind of fear. It's, it's dread of God. It should be paralyzing when we recognize that. And most who are in that position simply refuse to recognize it. And that's why I said, if you're, if you're in that position today, I'm glad you're here. Because that's not where this account ends. But he speaks of, of this. Jesus pulled no punches when it came to that. He wanted people to know that there is terror 
if you find yourself outside of Christ. The writer of Proverbs speaks of another kind of fear. Proverbs on the fear of the Lord, and we're going to hit these rather quickly as we move toward the table. You, had, you heard, uh, read a moment ago, Proverbs 1-7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And I will just simply tell you, this is different, this fear, and we're going to flesh out what it is, but it's different than a terror or dread or a paralyzing uh, being scared of God. He says, fools despise wisdom and instruction. This, as we said last week in our introduction to, to Proverbs, uh, this is considered by most to be the motto of Proverbs and even the, the motto of most of the uh, wisdom literature as a whole. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Closely related to that and read earlier also Proverbs 9 Verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Now, notice, in both of those, the fear of the Lord is the beginning. It's not the the ultimate. You don't stop there. So it's, it's talking about something that is, this is our our starting point. It's not the completed journey. That's why to have the right view of the fear of the Lord is just essential. And we begin to get a hint of what that fear is in Proverbs 9 verse 10, um, the last phrase where it says, the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. The knowledge of the Holy One. Okay, do you see how already this is contrasted from the first fear that I described? It's, it's directing us to the knowledge of God. Okay, if we, if, we, if we want, need wisdom, we begin with the fear of God. Where do we get that? It begins with the knowledge of God himself. Proverbs 8, verse 3. 13, the fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, pride and arrogance in the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. So what we see here is we see uh, that the fear of the Lord is actually being equated uh, with uh, the hatred of evil. In other words, fear of the Lord equals Hatred of evil. So what it's saying is that this this proper, this right fear is going to affect our behavior. John Piper said that uh, the fear of the Lord is so to know him. I'm going to read this twice. The fear of the Lord is so to know him that you would do anything not to lose his smile. The fear of the Lord is so to know him that you would do anything 
not to lose his smile. It will have a profound effect upon our behavior. Proverbs 16, verse 6. By steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for, and by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. And then we see uh, again, in, look at that phrase, that first part. By steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for. Again, we see this moving toward our answer of what, what fear means. I, I don't know about you, but I, can't, I cannot read that phrase, iniquity is atoned for, without thinking of the substitutionary atonement of Christ for his people, for our iniquity, for our sin. And all of this, as we'll see in a moment, is pointing ahead, pointing ahead toward, toward Christ. So how is uh, this steadfast love and faithfulness, where's that come from? Well, if, it, if it's dependent upon my steadfast love and faithfulness, I'm in trouble. But so are you. And you know that. You know whether you are steadfast in your love and faithful. And none of us are steadfast in our love and faithful enough to atone for any iniquity. By the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. Again, that last phrase indicates it's going to affect our behavior. So you have the, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And then we begin to see the effect of wisdom, that proper fear of the Lord. And the effect is, it's going to determine what our, our behavior will be. Proverbs 28, verse 14. Blessed is the one who fears the Lord always, but whoever hardens his heart will fall into calamity. So, uh, 20, 28, 14. So, uh, the fear of the Lord is contrasted with a hard heart. So uh, Solomon is, is making it even, the contrast even stronger. He's saying, do you, and this, it, it almost sounds silly when you, when you break it down this way, but he's basically saying, would you like to be blessed or would you like calamity in your life? I don't even think you need a lot of wisdom to answer that one. Which would you like? That's the contrast. Do you want that which is good from God or do you choose deep distress and misery? And if you say, I choose the latter, there's something wrong. And you've got a wrongful 
fear of God. If you would rather have that than to know him. Proverbs 29, verse 25. The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. So this one, again, and we see this a lot in the Hebrew parallelisms. There's going to be a a contrast or comparison Uh, Sometimes it's repeating a a phrase with different wording and saying the same thing. Sometimes it is uh, saying one phrase and then giving the contrast to it. But here we see it contrasted with the fear of man. Fear of man lays a snare, causes bad decisions, and it leads ultimately in the wrong direction. Okay, so this is kind of hopping and skipping through uh, Proverbs. It's not the only place we uh, see that. And this is each week. We're we're not necessarily going to hit every single proverb that has to do with uh, every subject. But we also want to look at it in the context of the bigger picture. So what we need to understand, and especially as we're moving toward this table, and as we're trying to figure out, okay, what is this knowledge of God that, that we are moving toward if we are seeking this kind of wisdom, if we are seeking a proper fear of God? And that brings us to the third uh, part of the message, and that is the fear of the Lord leads to true wisdom, and that is Christ. It's Christ. So in the New Testament, we, uh, we see after the resurrection, we see two disciples walking along uh, the road, and Jesus begins to walk with them. They don't recognize him at first. And this is what it says he did. In Luke 24, verse 27, it says this, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. You see what he did? They're walking along. They're despondent. They left Jesus in the grave. And he, he begins walking with them. And he starts, I guess, at the beginning. And he talks about the creation. And he moves on through the scripture. And he uses the prophets And because it says uh, uh, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself, that tells me that he also went to the wisdom literature. And even there in the Psalms and in the Proverbs and in the Song of Solomon 
and whatever he hit, he said, look, that's talking about the Christ and that's me. All the way through the scripture. So what a mistake it would be if we were to just stay only in Proverbs and talk about Proverbs like they're a bunch of witty sayings that we can live by and we'll live a better life. And, you know, all that's true. But if we miss the big picture of who they're about, we've missed the real picture and we've missed wisdom. So here we are. Jesus does that for them. Now, how had he shown wisdom in his life? We see him as a child. He grows in in wisdom and so on. But we read uh, in the Gospels, for instance, Mark chapter 6, it says, And on the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where'd this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How were such mighty works done by his hands? So they, they would often tie the works with, with his teaching. And, of course, the works were affirming the teaching that he was, uh, he was preaching and teaching. What is this wisdom given to him? See, they, they hadn't got it at that point. He hadn't preached the sermon that he did on the road to Emmaus where he said, wisdom, what do you mean, where'd I get it? I am wisdom. It's not just something I have. See the a parallel in uh, Matthew 13, 54. It says, they were astonished and said, where'd this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Now, over in Luke chapter 11... Last week, we talked about uh, the queen of, of Sheba coming when we talked about where Solomon got his wisdom and how the queen of Sheba traveled uh, a long ways. She had all these questions. She was going to puzzle him and so on. And because God had bestowed wisdom upon Solomon, he answered all her questions. Now, that's an interesting background. It helped us to understand Uh, where uh, the wisdom came from, that it came from God, what kind of wisdom it is. But there's a bigger, bigger message with that. And we read about it in Luke 11, verse 31. It says, Luke 11, 31, the queen of the south will rise up at the judgment and the men of this generation And condemn them. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. See, this is talking about that Queen of Sheba. She came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, something greater than Solomon is here. That's what Jesus says. Something greater than Solomon is here. Jesus is is saying, look, it it was 
it was me all along that that's talking about. This queen journeyed far to, uh, to find wisdom, and the Jews that had the wisdom of God himself among them, and they heard his teaching, and they heard his preaching, and they watched his mighty works, and they observed him. He was among them, and they wouldn't listen. He says there, there will be a judgment for that. Colossians 2, verse 3. The end of verse 2 says, Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 30. These are in your outline. And because of him, you, are in, you, who, you are in Christ who became to us wisdom from God. He became to us wisdom from God and the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, Ephesians 1:17, the Father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Him who? Christ. You want wisdom? You want that kind of wisdom? I don't mean just just being smart being savvy, but the kind we, we started in terms of a rightful fear of God. In Proverbs 8, Lady Wisdom says, I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently find me. They find me. So if you would seek him today, you don't need to worry. You will find him. You will. It's not a maybe. You will understand that rightful fear of the Lord. Wisdom is knowing and trusting that our only hope is in God himself through Christ. That's it. Fear of the Lord is knowing and trusting that our only hope is in God himself through Christ. An improper fear causes us to run from God in terror. A proper fear causes us to cling to God and fear only being away from him. A proper fear of God leads us to fall into the hands of God because that's the best place to be and that's the fear that leads us to true wisdom which is Christ himself. What kind of fear? Twas grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved. Oh, God, how blessed we are. It was his grace that, that made us afraid if we were outside of Christ. But it's his grace that brings us 
into his arms and family. And that's what this table is about. That's what the table is. We need to have no fear like I talked about in point one at this table if we are in Christ. Grace showed us that we were in a place where we should be terrified of God because we were his enemies. And grace showed us that in Christ there is safety. So our only fear is if we were away from him. So for those trusting in Jesus Christ alone for eternal life, our fear of God is a beautiful place. It's a hopeful place. It's even a joyful place to be because there and there only we are safe and there is peace with God. Let's pray together. Lord, for your children, those who are trusting in you alone, will you remove any wrongful fear of you as the Father? And for those who are not yet your children, will you cause them to long to be out of that terror and give them hearts of faith that they can fear you by trusting in you alone. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.